Thank you for listening to sermon podcasts from the Anglican Church Noosa as we move into week five of our topical series, The Air We Breathe. This week our topic is freedom. The preacher is Linda Johnson. Our readings today are from Exodus, Galatians and John. The first is a couple of readings from Exodus in chapters 3 and 14. And the first reading is on page 58 of your Pew Bibles, which is Exodus chapter 3, verse 17. And in this section, God is speaking to Moses. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. And now we're going to chapter 14 in Exodus, verse 10, which is on page 69 of your pew Bibles. As Pharaoh approached... The Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And down to verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, And all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. And finishing with verse 31. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Continuing on, a reading from Galatians, chapter 3, and verse, starting verse 26, through to chapter 4, verse 7. And that's in the Pew Bibles on page 1169. And Galatians, chapter 3, 26, through to chapter 4, verse 7. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is is that as long as an heir is underage, 
he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And what, since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Then moving to John chapter 8, verses 31 to 36. And that's on the Pew Bibles on page 1073. John chapter 8, verses 31 to 36. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we're continuing in our series, The Air We Breathe, and today we're looking at this topic of freedom. Freedom. Why is it that our hearts go out to those who are not free? One of our mission partners is Barnabas Aid, and their specific role is to care for and reach out to, to provide for as best as possible those who are trapped in terrible circumstances because of their faith and suffer, are persecuted or imprisoned or killed. Why... Did Amnesty International start in 1961? Because its instigators, who were Christians, were outraged when they heard of prisoners of conscience. People whose opinion or religion did not suit their government and were silenced through imprisonment. Why, too, are there chaplains to prisons? Because Christians are concerned for those who are not free. That concern is motivated by the desire that everyone might hear how to be truly free. And the way to be truly free is by being in a relationship with Jesus. Is that your experience? By declaring him as the only one who can effectively deal with sin through his death on the cross by personally asking for forgiveness and being part of a faithful body of Christ involved in God's mission on earth. That is true freedom, isn't it? This morning we heard the words of Jesus, hold to my teaching and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If the Son sets you free, 
you will be free indeed. Freedom is one of the great Christian imperatives and we embrace that with all our being. And so we should. The first sermon Jesus preached in Luke chapter 4 was after he read the scroll of Isaiah 61 and he declared that he was the subject of the reading. That it was he who had come to set the captives free. The Old Testament is full of calls to free the slaves. There were times when people sold themselves to others to pay back debts and the instruction was that whether the debt was paid back or not, in the seventh year the slave was to be given freedom. It was never a biblical view that one human being could own another human being. Never a biblical view. And yet in every culture and every age, slavery has been a scourge and a slur on humanity. And it's still going on. And yes, to our great shame over the centuries, Christians have been complicit in perpetuating it and perpetrating it. And yet it must also be recognised that it was Christians over many decades who worked and worked to abolish the horrific slave trade that had been running worldwide for so long. And why was that? Because of the great biblical imperative of human value, of human equality, of every man, woman and child being made in the image of God. The great story of the Exodus, the freeing of the Hebrew slaves from their 400-year bondage in Egypt shows us a God whose desire is to set people free. That desire comes out of the great love which God has for his creation and especially in his relationship with mankind, with humanity. God hears the cry of his people in Egypt being in misery because of the harsh treatment of the Egyptians and he calls a man, Moses, to be the one to lead this great venture to freedom. The exodus from Egypt is the great saving event of the Old Testament. The great saving event of the Old Testament was to free slaves. The great event that led to the release of God's people, it led to their freedom, it led to them being formed as God's people. Their escape from slavery to freedom gave them their identity as belonging to God. And that freedom was celebrated every year and still is by Jews. It's called Passover. For us, that same day is called Maundy Thursday because Maundy Thursday leads us Christians into the celebration of the great saving event of the New Testament, which is the scourging, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And who is being freed in this next great saving event? We are. And all who rely on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. We are freed from slavery to sin and brought into the fullness of freedom. 
It is Christianity that gives us the basis for any sort of understanding of human freedom. In his book, The Air We Breathe, Glenn Scrivener quotes the United States Declaration of Independence from 1776. In the second paragraph of that document, this is how it begins. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. The great notion of freedom or liberty has shaped that nation from the beginning and it is declared that it is because of God the creator. Who knows what happened on the 10th of December 1948 in Paris? 172 years after the Declaration of Independence. It was the proclamation of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights by the United Nations General Assembly. To my shame, I'd never actually read the Universal Declaration of Human Rights until this week. I downloaded the document and read it. In those eight pages, there are no less than 27 uses of the words freedom, freedoms, or free, and one use of the word liberty. So that makes 28 times in one document referencing freedom. It references that inherent dignity and the equal and inalienable rights of all members of the human family is the foundation of freedom, justice and peace. It talks about freedom of speech and belief, freedom from fear and want. It talks about respecting freedom. Article 1 says that all human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. Article 2, that everyone is entitled to the freedoms set out without distinction. Article 3 says that everyone has the right to life, liberty and the security of person. Article 4 says that no one should be held in slavery or servitude. Slavery and the slave trade shall be prohibited in all forms. But my friends, it's not. There is an incredible slave trade that is still going on in the world today. But my point is that distinctly Christian principles are embodied in great human global documents. Again, I say, though, that alongside acknowledging the great Christian principles and values of equality, dignity and freedom, we also acknowledge that Christians and the Christian church have, always, have not always acted in concert with these principles. We need to lament that and repent of it and also personally repent if we have been complicit in that sin. This chapter on freedom in The Air We Breathe specifically looks at this historic horror of slavery and how the concept of human freedom became the norm for Western society. It was through Christians and specifically William Wilberforce, among others, 
who, because of their Christian faith, knew that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. They knew that in Christ we are all brothers and sisters. They knew that the Hebrew slaves were brought out of slavery because it was the Lord who fought for them. And they also knew that what Jesus said about the Son setting them free brought freedom indeed. I want to show you a clip from the 2007 movie Amazing Grace, which uh, this is a scene of a conversation between John Newton and William Wilberforce. I want you to remember that John Newton had become a very wealthy man because of the slave trade. He was on the ships and he became a Christian which led him to be an ardent abolitionist because of those convictions. He wrote the hymn Amazing Grace. Watch this. This is my confession. You must use it. Names, ship's records, ports, people, everything I remember is in here. Although my memory is fading, I remember two things very clearly. I'm a great sinner and Christ is a great saviour. You must publish it. Blow a hole in their boat with it. Damn them with it. I wish I could remember all their names. My 20,000 ghosts, they all have names. Beautiful African names. We call them with just grunts, noises. We were apes. They were humans. <laughs> we being. I couldn't weep. I once was blind, but now I see. Didn't I write that too? Yes, you did. Well, now at last it's true. Now go, Wilbur, go. We've lots of work to do, you and I. was blind but now I see it's an incredible way of saying how Christianity has made the clarity of the human condition so obvious isn't it so we need to ask the question how can it be in this day and age that the very foundation of this staple principle of human rights Christianity is rejected as evil and now even suggested to be opposed to human rights. People believe in these Christian values while disposing of the source of them. But we can help people see that Christianity, the Jesus revolution, is the air we breathe. Christians like William Wilberforce did something no one else had ever done 
they overturned a practice that had been present across all ages and places throughout history. And it changed the world. Jesus can change the world. Wilberforce was able to persuade people whose wealth had come because of the slave trade to give it up because it was the right thing to do. And people willingly gave it up. Christianity is not only the air we breathe, it is done good for you. And another testimony to this is the clear embracing of the Christian faith by the slaves themselves. Think about that. Religious revivals sprung up across the world, first in the West Indies and then in America in the 17 and 1800s. The Negro spirituals embodied Christianity, identifying with Moses in Egypt, with Israel as slaves and with Jesus as the great sufferer. Do you remember the spiritual, nobody knows the trouble I've seen, nobody knows but Jesus. These songs were a huge lament, followed by the daring hope of a promised land. Rebecca McLaughlin writes, if slavery is the founding sin of America, the existence of the black church is perhaps its greatest miracle. But the Christian faith, of course, is all about miracles, isn't it? It's all about miracles. Watch this next clip. Order! Order! On the Home and Foreign Slave Trade Act, the unamended bill calling for the abolition of the slave trade throughout the entire British Empire... Nose to the left, 16. Eyes to the right, 283. I declare the bill of abolition of the slave trade to be passed. Bless oblige. What the bloody hell does that mean? It means my nobility obliges me to recognise the virtue of an exceptional commoner. When people speak of great men, they think of men like Napoleon, men of violence. Rarely do they think of peaceful men. But contrast the reception they will receive when they return home from their battles. Napoleon will arrive in pomp and in power, a man who has achieved the very summit of earthly ambition. 
And yet his dreams will be haunted by the oppressions of war. William Wilberforce, however, will return to his family, lay his head on his pillow, and remember the slave trade is no more. of that can't be underestimated is because of Jesus. I don't want to be melodramatic, but if you resonate with a heart desire for true freedom in your own life, and up until this time you have resisted finding out more about Jesus Christ, then I dare to say that until... Until you find true life through deep association with him, you are living a considerably lesser life than you might. The words of Jesus in the Gospel of John that we heard today when he said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. When our life is claimed by Jesus and we give ourselves to him, it is only then that we are truly free. If you value human freedom, then please know that that value only came to exist because of Jesus. I invite you to give your life to him. The Anglican Church Noosa is an evangelical Anglican church on the northern end of the Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. Our vision is living to love and proclaim Jesus. Our core values are being Christ-centred, Bible-based, spirit-led and mission-shaped. If you have found this sermon helpful and would like to contribute to the ongoing ministry of ACN, please go to our website anglicanchurchnoosa.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening.